in Acts chapter 19, and the goal as a church is to journey with the church in Ephesus. And so the plan was to go into Ephesians, Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus, and then 1 Timothy, because Paul actually asked Timothy to stay in Ephesus. But in our church meeting on Wednesday night, a few things came up to do with church polity, which has to do with eldership and deacons and how we organise as a church. And so I thought maybe it's going to be helpful to flip that around because 1 Timothy speaks directly to some of the questions that came up in our church meeting. So that's why we're in 1 Timothy. And we will be for the next little while. So three things as we look at the passage today, and I'll pray shortly, is we're going to be thinking about, and this is essentially where the book of 1 Timothy goes, how should we be organised? How should we behave in the words of 1 Timothy as the household of God? And that's what we desire to do. As a church, we want to be structured and ordered and function the way God desires for us to do that. And so we're going to launch into 1 Timothy shortly, so let's pray. Father God, as we have read your word, we acknowledge that all scripture is God-breathed, that all that is before us comes from your mouth, Father, from your throne. And so, Father, we pray that you would give us ears to hear. Lord, if we need to be corrected, rebuked, or taught in any ways, that we would be humble and willing. Lord, that we'd be men and women, a church that gives glory to you and how we conduct ourselves, how we live and how we like Jesus. And so, Father, please go before us now. Have your way with us. In Jesus we pray. Amen. So we're going to be in verses 1 to 11. And Paul's writing to Timothy, if you see down in verse 3, as I urged you when I went into Macedonia, stay there in Ephesus, so that you may command certain men not to teach false doctrines any longer, nor to devote themselves to myth and endless genealogies. Tough job for Timothy. If you consider Paul, you'd think Paul's the guy that you'd probably put in first to deal with the big issues, to confront the people who are causing trouble. But Paul says, no, that's not just my job. That's the job for the church. That's the job for you, Timothy. And in the end, what is Timothy's authority going to be? It's going to be the scriptures. It'll be the word of God. And so we need to listen as we go through this to see, are there things that we're going to learn? Things that we need to realise that we might not be doing right or things that we can be encouraged by that we are. And so three steps essentially this morning, doctrine, love and law. (coughs) Doctrine, love and law. The three key things that Paul addresses as he deals with this issue in the church where people have gotten into the church, people are teaching things, that are contrary to what God would have or distracting them from what God would have in the church. And it was going to have consequences. And so those three verses continue. Those promote controversies rather than God's work, which is by faith. So if there is a different doctrine, if there's false doctrine taught, it is going to have consequences. And this idea of doctrine or this truth of doctrine bookends our passage if you look down to verse 11 end of 10 verse 11 he says whatever is contrary to sound doctrine that conforms to the glorious gospel of the blessed God which he entrusted to me the faithful church takes doctrine seriously when we hear doctrine we don't switch off we don't think we're getting too heavy we listen 
Because doctrine is what God teaches us. Doctrine is the instruction we get from God. And we want to have sound doctrine. We go to the Bible for our sound doctrine. And so we shouldn't switch off. Because if we preach doctrine that is not sound, we will become spiritually unhealthy. We'll become sick. And so that idea of soundness has to do with health. If someone is sound, it means their body is functioning as it good or it should. Things aren't going wrong. And so we need doctrine that is healthy. And we need to hear this. Not all doctrine is good or true. Sometimes the way the world thinks has crept into the church. The world says there is no absolute truth. And people in the church sometimes struggle to say, no, there is truth. This idea of more than one truth is creeping into the church. We're told that whatever feels right to you in the world is truth. If it makes you feel good, that is truth. And to facilitate this, we're told to be tolerant. And again, that sort of tolerance is creeping into the church. We're told and we struggle to say someone is wrong. But Paul here says we need to. It's not just how we want to understand the Bible. There are right ways of understanding and wrong ways. And the world says to say someone is wrong is unloving. And we get that same sort of talk in the church. It's unloving to challenge someone. But there are not many truths. There is one. There is one truth. There is one sound doctrine. And Paul instructs Timothy, if anyone is preaching anything different to what Paul taught, what Paul taught then it is unsound. And the loving thing is not to tolerate anything that opposes or challenges what Paul taught us and what we have in the Bible. And we need to silence that sort of teaching because the fruit of it is not good. We see from verse 1, Paul's authority. It says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the command of God our Saviour and of Christ Jesus our hope. He's an apostle. We saw in verse 11, that the gospel he received came from God himself. God entrusted to Paul this gospel. Paul says to the church in Galatia, in verses 11 and 12, I want you to know, brothers, that the gospel I preached is not something that man made up. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. Paul's teaching is Christ's teaching. We've got to remind ourselves of that. Paul's teaching is Christ's teaching. When you open your Bible and you read the letters from Paul, we are hearing what Jesus wants to say to us. And there are many in Paul's day who wanted to undermine, modify and distract from what he was teaching. And the same is true today. You'll get people that are say, oh, that's just what Paul's idea. And they try and set Paul against the apostles or against the gospels. Or they'll say, Paul's just writing something that's very cultural. It doesn't apply for us today. It was just for the church back then. Well, some people even say Paul was wrong. Well, Paul didn't understand. We've got to not go there. Because Paul was entrusted with the gospel from God, from Christ himself. And when we start doing that, we're not nullifying Paul. We're nullifying God's word. We need to hear what God says to us through his apostle. What instructions God would give to his church here in Armadale at Chapel Street through his apostle. Because God's word is the same yesterday, today and forever. 
The word that God instructs his church is for all places at all times. God isn't a God of confusion. So we need to hold to the teaching of the apostles or the apostolic faith that is foundational to us as a church. If we are to be a faithful church, if we are to be a healthy church, if we are to be a sound church. Because if we don't have sound doctrine, we'll end up living lives, we'll end up functioning at a church. It might look good to us, might look good to the world, but it won't be pleasing to God. And so firstly, doctrine, now love. Because that is the key point of what Paul is getting at here. Doctrine is never about information, full stop. Sometimes I think that's how it works in practice. We hear doctrine, we hear teaching, we hear theology, and it's just conveying more and more information. Like we've got a little library ahead and we keep filling it with books. But that is not the end. Biblical doctrine is always for a reason, and Paul gives us this reason. We see it in verse 5. The goal of this command is love. The goal of this command is love. And it's love in a household. There's a verse that, a couple of verses that sum up what this letter is all about. If you go to one chapter 3 of 1 Timothy, verses 13 and 14. 14, 15 it should be. 14, 15. Paul writes this, although I hope to come to you soon, I'm writing you these instructions so that if I'm delayed, you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and foundation of the truth. So firstly, as we think about church, we must think of us as a household, as a family, a local church here as a family. God is the head, God is the father, and we are his children. And in some ways you could say, God is saying, here are the rules as you live under my roof. These are the instructions, this is how I want you to live. Doctrine is unto life, truth is unto love. God is giving us his instruction, God is giving his household his instructions, his teaching, that we might function in a particular way. God does not give us doctrine so it just gets filed in our heads. And our lives remain unchanged. And Paul's letter to Timothy, and that's why we're doing it, focuses on a local church. And this idea of a household comes right up at the beginning. If you look into verse 4. Nor to devote themselves to myths and genealogies. These promote controversies rather than God's work, which is by faith. The command is love, which comes from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Some have wandered away from these and have turned to meaningless talk. They want to be teachers of the law, but they do not know what they're talking about or what they so confidently affirm. So what is being promoted here is speculations and controversy rather than God's work or literally stewardship. The word has to do with stewardship and stewardship takes us to a household. If someone is the steward in a house, they are the person responsible for how a house runs. And Paul is saying to the teachers, to the preachers in the church, to the pastors, you have a role as a steward. God the Father has placed you as stewards in his household, not just to communicate information week by week, 
but to teach in a way that will organise the church to be a healthy running household. That is good order by faith that comes from the word of God. If we don't teach the things of this letter, we will get church wrong. So being a pastor is not about just running an organisation. To teach in the church is not just about having a fine-tuned machine. It's about, and this is the picture again, the oversight of a family under God. And when God brings shepherds to account for how a church functions, they're not going to be able to come and say, look at what we built, look at all the things we have, look how we function. He'll be looking to see how does the household run. How have you put my instructions into practice? I didn't leave you to do your own thing. I left you with very clear instructions as to what you need to do. Pastors or teachers don't get to build what they want. They need to follow the instructions that God has given. And as you go through this letter, we're going to see God has given us instructions on how to pray. God has given us instructions of what it is to be men and women in the life of the church. God has given us instructions on the place of reading the scriptures, on what it is to care for the poor, for the elderly, for the widows. God has given us instructions of what, how to live lives with thankfulness. There are many things here that God desires. And so our goal this morning, we can see there, they did a lot of speculating and we don't want to do that. You might read that and think, oh, I wonder what all those genealogies were about. You can ponder those things. What were all those myths? You can ponder those things. And you can ponder too what all the false doctrines are, but if we end up just pondering those things, we too will have a fruitless time. We'll end up being guilty essentially of doing the very thing that they did. This church loved just to talk theology all the time. What appeared to be sound doctrine. No, we need to consider this with Paul's charge, which his goal, which is love. We've got to consider God's word in a way that's going to change us as a church, in a way that's going to change the way that we live. You would think sometimes that we, with all the books that are in a lot of Christian stores, that you can organise church how you want. Well, there's lots of options, no. And so often it's uncomfortable to hear the Bible taught, and it is when you hear the word of God put a finger on something in your life that's not quite right. When the word of God challenges how you live, we can push back against that. We don't like that. Sometimes we feel most comfortable when we just keep getting more information that doesn't really press into how I live. But that's not being good stewards. That's not healthy teaching. This was happening in Ephesus and Paul was concerned. Where we have good theology, we'll have holy lives. Where God's word is being taught, it will shape us. And the love we have in the church is the fruit, the product of sound doctrine. Sound doctrine. Love is not mindless. You don't get to choose how God would have us love one another. God defines love. Not all love is love. You would think it is. Love is love. No, it's not. Just as people follow their truth by how they feel, they determine what is loving by how they feel. And there are a lot of people who think this is a good way to do church because it seems right. But again, we've got to go back to God's word, to his sound doctrine to find out what true love is. And a life of love is a lawful life. It's a righteous life. A life that 
we read the Ten Commandments, they don't get much airtime these days. But if you're someone who keeps the Ten Commandments, you're a person who's living a loving life. Law and love are not opposed. A, love, a life of love is a righteous life. God's people in the end have God's law upon their hearts and God teaches us and shapes us as we hear sound doctrine. And so as we hear, as 2 Timothy 3 says, we need to be taught. We need the word of God to teach us things and show us where we're not thinking right or to learn things. We need to be rebuked. As Christians, if the, God says to us through his word, stop. We are thankful that God has said stop, that God hasn't left us just keep on sinning and we will humble ourselves. We need to be corrected. When God's word comes and says, you're drifting, you're not right, we are thankful and we are brought back. And what is it to? Training us to be righteous. Training us to walk paths of righteousness. And so we need sound doctrine so as to think rightly, so as to live rightly. And that's what we need to do. Do you come to church? What, what can I learn today? What does that mean? When you come to church, what can I learn today? Because often it seems that when people come, what can I learn today? They want to learn something they haven't heard before. But really when it comes to today, what can I learn today is how does my life need to change so as to be subject to the word of God? Where is my life not loving? Where is God going to put his word to show me how I need to grow to be more loving? It's when our lives are impacted that we learn. If it's all just stored in our head, we don't learn anything really. We're no different to the devil. God's people are shaped by sound doctrine. And so Paul charges Timothy at the start. It's strong language. He says, command certain men not to teach. And then he commands them to teach unto love. Teach unto love. And if we don't, verse 6 tells us, we will swerve from sound doctrine. That means we'll miss the mark. You can spend all you'd like pulling on your bow and sharpening your arrow. If you don't have sound doctrine, the thing you're going to hit will not be what God wants you to hit. And then it's all in vain. If sound doctrine is not producing good fruit in our life, if we are not growing in love, it's in vain. It's fruitless. It profits us nothing. It's a wonderful thing when you really think about it that God's desire is for us to become more loving. To love each other more. For you to be more loving. For you to experience the love of others. For you and I to show God's love to the world. That is the goal. Jesus says, by passing a theological exam, people know that you're my disciples. No. He says, by this will they know you're my disciples, by the love that you have. Love based on sound doctrine. It's our lives that matter. And we will be a church that glorifies God when we are shaped by sound doctrine. Not if we just stay the same. Not if we just keep filing away more information in our heads. And Paul says this about the law. It says in verse 7, they want to be teachers of the law, but they do not know what they are talking about or what they do so confidently affirm. We know that the law is good if one uses it properly. We also know that the law is made not for the righteous, but for lawbreakers and rebels, the ungodly and sinful, 
the unholy and irreligious, for those who kill their fathers or mothers, for murderers, for the sexually immoral. NIV's got perverts, it's literally men who go to bed with men, for slave traders and liars and perjurers, and for whatever else is contrary to sound doctrine that conforms to the glorious gospel of the blessed God which he entrusted to me. Don't drive an unnecessary wedge between love and the law. But we must use the law rightly. There's a wrong way to use the law. And we find this in the other letters as Paul writes, that people were bringing the law in and saying to the church, you've got to keep these laws so as to earn righteous points with God. As you build up your righteous acts... You will build up your righteousness and you can earn your way to heaven. That's legalism. That is wrong. The only way we get to heaven is through what Christ has done on the cross. By having all our sinfulness cancelled. You can't undo bad by doing good. We're saved by grace alone. So that's a wrong way to use the law and people at that time were doing it. But there's another way to wrongly use the law. And that's to reject it outright to say it has no place and to cast it off. Because Paul actually says there is a right way to use the law. We know that the law is good if one uses it properly. Uses it properly. And so there's several ways that the law can be used properly in the life of the church. Firstly, the Bible makes clear the role of the law is to expose sin. To expose sin. In the time of the Great Awakening, when Whitfield and Wesley preached, they preached the law. Because the law reveals the righteousness of God. It shows you how you miss the mark, how, you're, how sinful you are. When you go through those laws that we have in there, it's essentially a fair chunk of the Ten Commandments. People who break these Ten Commandments realize they miss the mark and God says he must punish sin. And so the law is used in a way that would have men and women run to the cross. Because only at the cross can you have your sin cleansed. Only at the cross can the wrath of God be taken away. And so there's a right way to use the law and that is in proclaiming the gospel to the world. Taking the gospel and preaching to them. Because without the law we don't know what sin is. And a gospel that doesn't preach and makes sin known is no real gospel. Because it does away with the cross. But there's a way for the law to be used in the church as well. Because just as the law exposes sin outside the church, the law can be used to expose sinfulness in the church. If we are of sound doctrine, our lives are to bring forth the fruit of righteousness. But inside the church, if we see sinful behaviors just manifest all the time the law will show us that something is wrong that something is unhealthy and as paul said we are not of sound doctrine so the law can be used inside the church to expose sin paul will say this in ephesians 5 and you can read this Ephesians 5 verse 3, But among you there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality 
or of any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a man as an idolater, these are lawless people, they're breaking his laws, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, because of such things God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient, who are lawless. And so the law can be used to show if we are deceiving ourselves. You'll say you're right with God, but I can see the fruit of your life that you live in rebellion against him. And so we need God's law to show us and make clear righteousness. And in the context of this passage, it'll show what's being taught. Because if the fruit, if people's lives aren't changing, if love is not abounding, if people are just not the same today, tomorrow and the next day, something is up with the doctrine that's being taught. Either it's not being taught, either there's something missing, or people are being distracted by other things. Jesus says, by their fruit you will recognise them. You'll recognise those who are false teachers. By the fruit we'll be able to recognise if we're sitting under sound doctrine and sound teaching. And if we be- it's a part of us. And so as Paul starts this letter to Timothy, we've got doctrine, love and law. As a church, the goal is love. And we will never attain to the love and the manifestation of love if our doctrine is not according to the Bible. But two, if love is not growing in our hearts, in our fellowship and amongst us, if our lives are not changing unto works of love... It is right for us to go back and ask, what are we being taught? What are we not being told? What are we not being confronted with? How are we not being rebuked? How are we not being corrected? Something needs to be addressed in the teaching. And so Paul starts this letter saying, let's get the teaching right. We've got to hold to what God says to his church through his servant Paul. And that's what we need to do. We don't need to rush off and buy some books. We need to open the Bible. And then we need to ask God to change and shape our lives that we will put it into practice. And what a glorious thing. If we can be shaped by the word of God unto love. As we go through, and you can see as you turn the page, I encourage you to read through 1 Timothy. Because over the next weeks, we're going to see the instruction that God would have us, instruction that will show us what it is to truly love each other, how God would have us to live and to function. And for us to ask, do we do that? Are we missing the mark on that? What needs to change? Because we want to be a church that glorifies God. We want to be a church that's like Jesus. And that means change. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you're a Father who speaks, that you've not left us as a church without instruction. Lord, protect us from false doctrine. Protect us from fruitless doctrine. 
Protect us, Lord, from just mere theological speculations and discussions. Lord, please help us to truly learn. Help us to truly grow. Help us to truly become people of love. Lord, that our love for you may abound. That we may understand you more and love you more. Lord, that we would not just gather amongst ourselves here each Sunday, Lord, but your teaching, your word would show us what it is to love each other more. Lord, that it would be a joy together. That we would give thanks to you for how we receive and give love to one another. Lord, please shape us. That we would be a household that orders according to your word. Under you as our head. In Jesus we pray. Amen.